The following sermon is from Evangel Temple Youth Ministries. For more information about how you can get involved, please visit etchurch.org forward slash youth. Well, hey, we're in the book of Ruth, and this is our second week, so if it's your first week, you're not, you're, you're not super far behind, and you'll catch up pretty quick. I'll give a summary of last week. Um, so we are going verse by verse, by the way, through the book of Ruth. So if you just read the first seven verses really quick while I'm talking, boom, you're caught up. Um, but the first seven verses we talked about last week. And um, what happened was a lot of horrible things to happen to this specific family, uh, Naomi and Elimelech were the, this married couple, and um, life hit them hard. Famine happened, um, and they were living in a pretty anti-God society. Um, the time of the judges where everyone did everything and um, the, what they thought was right. And so they really disregarded God and what he would call them to do. And so they were living in an anti-God society. Um, life hit them where the famine hit, to where they could hardly eat, they could hardly survive. So they moved to an even worse place, Moab. Um, even more anti-God place. And at that point, Naomi's husband, Elimelech, died. And then she got two daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah, from her two sons. They, they married. Uh, but then her two sons died. And so now Naomi has no men in her life. She has no men in her life. And now it's just her and her two um, daughter-in-laws that she had now because of her son's marriage before they died. So now there's Ruth. Sorry, there's Naomi, who everything has just hit hard and now she has the two widowed daughter-in-laws, Ruth and Orpah. And so she is now deciding to go back to where she came from, um, Judah, which is the promised land, God's place with God's people. She's like, you know what? I've had enough here in Moab. Um, I'm going to move back to um, Judah where it's at least a little bit better. And I heard that there's now food there. And so that's where she's going to start journeying. And that is the first seven verses in a nutshell of the book of Ruth. And so let me read here now. We're going to read the rest of chapter 1. And so, believe it or not, it's not that long. So it's not like, oh, man, might as well just read the rest of the Bible. It's, it's not that long. And um, I really do believe that there's so much packed into it that we can gain insight from God's Word. And so, would you read with me? Um, you can follow along in the Bibles that you have. If you need a Bible, raise your hand, and I'll give you one really quick. Um, but we're going to start reading in verse 8. Anyone need a Bible? You can raise your hand. Yeah. You guys can keep it. Our gift to you, so you can follow along. It's pretty early in the Bible. It's in between Judges and 1 Samuel. And so um, you need one more, two more, boom, okay. Um, so we are going to start reading in verse 8. Naomi said to them, that is um, her daughter-in-law's Ruth and Orpah, Naomi said to them, each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. By the way, uh, the two daughter-in-laws, they're from Moab. Okay, so they're from this horrible, godless place. And because that's where the sons met them, that's where they married, that's where they died. And now Naomi's like, I'm going back to Judah where I came from. I'm leaving this place. And she's insisting they stay at Moab. That's where we're at. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown to the dead and to me. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. She kissed them, and they wept loudly. They said to her, we insist on returning with you to your people. But Naomi replied, return home, my daughters. Why do you want to go with me? Am I able to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. Go on, for I am too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me to have a husband tonight and to bear sons... 
Would you be willing to wait for them to grow up? Would you, restrain, would you restrain yourselves from remarrying? No, my daughters. My life is much too bitter for you to share because the Lord's hand has turned against me. Again, they wept loudly, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth, she clung to her. Orpah kissing her mother-in-law meant she, she's like, okay, you're right, I'm leaving. So she kissed her goodbye. She left, but Ruth clung to her. Naomi said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, don't plead with me to abandon you or to return and not follow you. Forever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people, they'll be my people. And your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there, I'll be buried. May the Lord punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped talking to her. The two of them traveled until they came to Bethlehem. When they entered Bethlehem, the whole town was excited about their arrival, and the local women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara, she answered. For the Almighty has made me very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has opposed me, and the Almighty has afflicted me. So Naomi came back from the territory of Moab with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, the Moabitess, they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. So that is uh, what we are looking at tonight. That's a big chunk, so we're going to fly through it, okay? Um, believe it or not, I can. I know I'm long-winded, but we can do it. So really the, 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 the thing that I want to focus on tonight is this big decision that has to be made for Orpah and for Ruth. Am I going to stay in Moab with the people I know, the family that I have, right, security. I, I've got a family I can go to. I'm young. I can get another husband. I have, this, I have this possibility of continuing a life here. Or do I go with her, where I probably won't be remarried. I don't know anybody. I, so I probably won't have a social life anymore. If you're not married as a woman back then, uh, that's just the reality of this ancient time. Um, a woman that was not married did not have a social standing. She didn't have a man in her life. That's why Naomi's like, the Lord has afflicted me because she's returning. She's too old to be remarried um, because she can't bear children. So no guy's going to marry her. And now she has no hope. But she's returning to hopefully find a way to survive. Uh, but she won't have any social standing. So now this is the decision that Orpah and Ruth have to make. Am I going to go stay in Moab for some hope of a social life, social standing, some kind of possibility of a life? Or am I going to go back and have the same fate as Naomi, but be in the land, um, the promised land of God, the one true God. And so um, this is the decision that they have to make um, that's kind of posed to them through this whole portion we're going to look at tonight. Um, and so what I think really this, this text, if I were to sum up a question, what is this text saying to us, challenging us to think of in our hearts? How can this relate to me? I think this really question um, can speak to us. It said, would you follow Christ even if it was in the opposite direction of everything else you love? I mean, that is really a summary question of what they're having to think through. Would you follow Christ even if it was in the opposite direction of everything else you love? And now I know this is a hypothetical question because um, God wouldn't direct you away from um, certain things that you love. Some he would. Some you will probably have to sacrifice um, and choose God. But there... Uh, 
it's hypothetical because like me and my spouse, God will never lead me away from my spouse to, to leave my spouse because um, we are uh, under a covenant between, uh, b- before God that we would stay together until death. Death will be the only thing that separates Sarah and I. Um, and so God would never lead me away from her, right? So it's a hypothetical question. Um, but I do think, even for those things, that this question would challenge us to think, you know what, would my heart be positioned in such a way that I would choose God if it came down to it. I know, I know it wouldn't, but if it did, would I be like Abraham and kill my own son for obedience to God? Is my heart positioned in such a way that he is unquestionably number one and nothing else is in competition with him? That's really the question that we're faced with here reading this, and I think the two women are really faced with um, in this chapter, 1, 8 through 22. And Naomi gives this question to them. Naomi, not only does she pose this question to them, uh, she really like, she's pushing. She's really biased. Um, Anyone know know any biased people? They're like, here, you have these two options, but like, you know, and they're like really pushing this one option. Um, That's Naomi. So Naomi's like, she's saying, you really, really need to stay in Moab. I insist you stay in Moab. You never know those those people. Uh, There's an example of me that would do this where you, um, you just keep giving a bunch of reasons of why you can't do something. She, she's giving all these reasons why they shouldn't go back to Bethlehem with her. All these reasons, like, they're like, no, we really want to go. No, you shouldn't because. No, we really want to go. No, you shouldn't because this then. Um, you know, she's giving all these reasons. Um, and I think, I don't know, it's really easy for us to give a bunch of reasons why we can't do something. Like, uh, someone's like, hey, could you help me move? And they're like, oh, I'm super busy this week. And they're like, oh, no, I meant two weekends from now. And you're like, that weekend too, actually, I'm busy, I'm sick that weekend, you know, like um, all these different reasons. Um, <laughs> I did that, and it's funny, actually, uh, one of the uh, family members of this yard company that I used to work for is here, um, Gavin Bashir's in the back, but um, Bashir Street and Lawn, you guys have heard me talk about Bashir Street and Lawn a number of times before. Um, well, Bashir Street and Lawn, they used to call me uh, a few different, text me, a few different weekends and say like, hey, we really need some work this weekend, this Saturday. Um, could you work? Who in their right mind, if, you don't, if you're not dying for the money, okay, if you're dying for the money, get it. But who in their right mind would be like, oh, yes, work. That's awesome. I already work all the time, but like Saturday, even, even better. Um, so I try to come up with reasons why like I can't work, right? And so they'd be like, hey, so um, we got this job. Can you come and work? I'm like, I'm just like, just left Smithville, Smithville, super small town. And so I'm like, oh, I'm not in town anymore. <laughs> it's like, I'm like five minutes away, just on the other side. Uh, but I'm like, oh, I'm not in town right now. And they're like, oh, no, 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 it's fine. We were talking about later this afternoon. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I'll be busy all day today. And they're like, no, it's tomorrow too. And the weekend after that, you're fine. And I'm like, my parents need me at the house for the rest of eternity. Don't worry about asking me. You know, like, so. Um, I just hated working on Saturday, but uh, I did every once in a while. But you just keep giving all these reasons why you can't or why you shouldn't do these things. Um, Okay, so all that to say, that's really what Naomi's doing. Naomi's giving all these reasons why Ruth and Orpah should not go with her back to Judah, back to Bethlehem. And uh, so if you're looking at it, looking at this text, Ruth 1.8, 
She says, each of you go back to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you. So she's like, guys, go back. Um, stay, stay in Moab. Go, go to where your parents are living. Uh, stay with your family. You're good there. May the Lord grant each of you rest in the house of a new husband. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord give you a life with a husband. And, but they were like, no, we really don't want to. And so that's whenever she like, yeah, well, if you do go with me, then you're not going to have a family. And so she just gives another reason. We're like, no, we really, we want to we, we, we go with you. She's like, no, um, return home. Why would you go with me? Am I able to give you any more sons uh, who could become your husband? So she's saying, guys, I'm not at that age anymore. Can't bear no more children. And even if I could, even if I found a husband, uh, she says in this next part, even if I could find a husband tonight, and then I would have a son soon, are you really going to wait until he gets old enough to where he can marry you at that point? No, like you won't be able to. Just stay home. And so she gives him a pretty good reason. She says, guys, don't go back to the promised land. Don't go back with me to serve my God because if you do, you won't have a social life. You won't have a social standing with because you won't have a husband. You won't have a family. So if you choose to go back with me, if you choose God, really, you will miss out on that aspect of life. That's what she's saying to them. And so Orpah's like, you're right. See ya. And so she kisses Naomi. Um, you see, they weep, they, they weep right? They're, they're sad, but ultimately Orpah's like, that's good enough reason. I choose that. I don't choose God. And so she leaves. But Ruth clings to her. And so now Naomi, right, for giving all these other reasons, yeah, well, if you can't, uh, if, you, if you're not going back because of that, well, then um, she says, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Follow her. And so now not only is she telling Ruth, look, if you go with me, you're not going to have a family. You're not going to have a social standing. Now she's saying, look, you're, you're going to be the only one that would make this decision. You're all alone. And so now it's, if you choose God, you're, you're going to do it by yourself. You're, you're, the other person, they've already left you. And so now Ruth, I love this response. I love this response. Ruth says, um, look, don't plead with me to abandon you or to not to return home or not to follow you. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. I am dedicated. I'm faithful. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. This is really kind of the pinnacle part of this entire passage, this entire sermon tonight. This, this response, this response of faithfulness is really the capstone of all of this because she shows what Christians today, you and I, how, we sh how faithful we should be despite all the circumstances. She sees all of them are laid out before her. If you choose God, you will lose out on family. You will lose out on a hope for social life. If you go, you will be all alone to do it. She has all these circumstances, all these consequences that are lined up, and she says, yep, I'll go. She shows the ultimate example of faithfulness. Last week, we talked about how faithful God is in our hardships, in our tough times, right? Famine hits, um, husband dies, all your sons die. God is still faithful, and we can trust. That's what we were talking about last week. This week, it's all about our faithfulness to him. Our commitment. I think sometimes we, we, we think that um, it's a one-way street almost. God is expected to be faithful whenever we're hurting, and we're mad at him if he doesn't. 
prove out to prove to be um, the God that would do what we would want him to. We're mad at him because he's supposed to be faithful. But then whenever it flips, we're like, look, here, I, I don't think I can do this. I'm bailing out. We expect him to be faithful and mad whenever he doesn't, um, he doesn't come through the way we want him to. But we don't expect ourselves to be faithful. This is a perfect example of how we are supposed to be faithful to God despite all things. Despite all consequences, all circumstances, no matter what happens, we are to be faithful to God. Committed. The, uh, if, if I were to say any, any of this summed up as one point, really, um, it would be this. We should be discontent if we didn't have God. But we should also be content when we only have him. Okay, so let me unpack that. I know that's really confusing. Uh, Ruth, she was not content with not having God. She's like, you know what? I am going to that promised land. I'm going back. And so we, likewise, we, shouldn't, we should not be content if we don't have God. We should not be content without God. She shows that. You know, I'm going back to the promised land. I, I'm not going to be without God. But the next sentence is even harder, I think. We should also be content when that's all we have is him. We should be discontent if we don't have God, right? We need God. But are you ready to be content if he's all you have? Are you ready to be content if that's all you have? Everything else you love is gone, taken away from you. Job is a perfect example. Are you ready to be content with God? You're only relationship, only good thing in your life. I think we're called to be content. With, because really, uh, the reality of it is, is if the only thing, okay, get this, look, look at this, this, if the only thing that is good in your life is a relationship with God, you have more than you deserve. If the only thing that is good in your life is a relationship with God, you have exponentially more than anybody could ever deserve, anything that I could ever deserve. We don't deserve that, and that is the greatest thing we could ever have. A relationship with God is the best thing we could ever have. We should be more than content. I was talking to Sarah. I was like, what is a word that describes more than content? Because content is like, like, yeah, that'll do. You know, That's not enough. You should be satisfied if all you have is a relationship with God because that is more than you could deserve, more than you could ever ask for. A relationship with God is everything. And that's what Ruth shows, right? That's what Ruth shows. She shows all these bad things are going to be the reality in your life if you go. She says, yep, if I'm going to be in relationship with God, if it's Good things and serving a different God, or all bad things and serving the real God? Serving the real God. Because all those good things, plus no God, uh, doesn't line up. I'd rather have nothing than just the real God. That is complete, complete faithfulness. Complete faithfulness. Utter faithfulness. Something that we couldn't even imagine. But that's the reality of it. I, I was... Spending time in my devotional time, I think, I don't, I don't remember, it was a couple days ago. And just, just out in the backyard, walking around, just thinking about this reality. And it, I came down to it where I was like, you know what, if I didn't have this God, if I didn't have relationship with you, if I, if I couldn't spend time with you, if I couldn't, if I couldn't feel your presence, if I couldn't be there with you, if, if I didn't know that you were walking alongside me, if this life was without you, 
I would hate it. I would hate it. It would be bleak. It would be unsatisfying. It would be unfulfilling without you. And I'm not trying to, look, I'm not trying to be rude or um, disrespectful to somebody that doesn't have a relationship with God. It's like, look, are you saying my, my, my life is unfulfilled, unsatisfied? I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm not trying to be rude. What I am trying to say, though, and what I would preach till I'm dead is that he does give meaning to life. And that I couldn't imagine life without him because he is so great, because he is so amazing, because he is so, I mean, he's God. And so, yeah, I am. I am saying, without him, if you think about how great he is, without him, yeah. Because he, he gives meaning to everything. I'm just trying to show how amazing God is, and that's just the reality of it. And Ruth saw that, and she was willing to give up everything else good in life so she could have him. She saw how significant it is to have him or not to have him. And so, really two differences I see between Naomi and Ruth, okay? Naomi's like, look, stay in Moab. Keep those things. Don't go back and worship my God. You stay and worship your own God. Like, you just, and Ruth's like, no, I'm, I see how important God is. Two differences I see between them, okay? The first one is that Naomi thinks life without God is sufficient. Naomi thinks life without God is sufficient. She's uh, trying to convince Ruth that life would be better in Moab without God. She's trying to say, look, you can still have a life. You can still have a good life. You can still have a family. You can still have a, a husband and a, and a social life. You can still, don't rob yourself of what you could still have. You could still have a social life. You could still have a husband. Don't rob that from you. Don't rob yourself from that and go with me. Stay and keep that. You're still, uh, me, it's too late for me. I can't have a kid, but you, you still can, so don't lose out on that. You could still have a life. But the problem is, is Naomi doesn't realize what makes life worthwhile. She doesn't really, I, li I like this, uh, Tolian Chavigian, fun name. Um, he wrote a book called Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. Okay, a little math problem for you there. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And so I kind of reworked that, and um, I came up with this other equation. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Yeah, right? You, you, you subtract Jesus over, bring him over to the everything, then you got nothing. And, sorry, a um, little math for you. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Naomi did not understand that. She thought that life without God was sufficient. She didn't understand that life without God, there's no meaning found in it. And the second thing that I see, the difference between them, is Naomi thinks that life must be more than just God. Not only does she think um, we don't necessarily need God, you don't necessarily, verse 15, it says Orpah went back and worshipped her God. And then verse 16, uh, Naomi says, now go do what your sister did. You can still have a life. Not only did she think that we don't need God, but she thinks that we need life. In life, we need more than God. And Ruth didn't. Ruth was like, you know what? If all I have is God, that's enough for me. But really, I think the issue with Naomi is that she had an entitled theology. She was entitled she was entitled, and I think that's something that so much of us struggle with, is thinking that we are able to be mad at God when we don't get something. 
I hear it all the time from preachers, um, and I think they're, they're, they have good intentions to say, you know what, scream at God, yell at God, you tell him how you feel, you tell him, tell him what's up, let it all out, don't bottle that up. And I'm thinking, do you think they have the right to yell at God? Do you think that they would be in the right if you started screaming at the all-perfect God, someone that isn't perfect? Look, they don't have the right to yell at God. We don't have the right to be angry at God. We are undeserving of everything he has given us. But Naomi has that entitled theology. She thinks, you know what, I deserve everything. If you, if you look at the passage here, um, whenever they get back to Bethlehem, right, it says, she says, don't call me Naomi, which means um, pleasant, okay? In the Hebrew, it means pleasant. Don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara. Everyone say Mara. Mara. It's a fun one. Um, it means bitter. It means bitter. And so she's like, don't call me pleasant. You call me bitter because God has taken everything from me. I was full. I used to have everything. I used to have a husband. I used to have sons. I used to have a good house. Someone else moved in. I got to find a new one. I used to be full. But the Lord has brought me back empty. I have nothing. And so now I'm bitter to God. I'm bitter to God. See, the problem is that God doesn't owe us anything. We have no right to be angry with God. Because everything that he has given us, it's undeserved and in abundance. Look, even if, even if we lost everything, everything that you have, God would give you a relationship with him that you could have a relationship with the creator of the universe, the God that created everything, the God that is. He's given you so much more than you could ever fathom and you will ever understand until the other side of eternity whenever you see him in all of his glory and how great he is. And you'd be like, wow, I had that and I was complaining. I have a relationship with you. You are more than enough. You're far sufficient for what I deserve. And God gives us that. God gives us opportunity to have a relationship with him, that he would die on the cross, that he would give us an opportunity to know him by saying, you know what, you're imperfect. I'll take care of that. I'll die on the cross. I'll take your place, die on the cross, bear the punishment that you deserve to where now me and you, we can have a relationship. And if that doesn't make you just fall on your knees before God, that's how, that's how much he loves us. We don't deserve that. And the second we think we deserve it, we're like Naomi. I'm bitter towards God because he didn't give me enough. Like, oh, you have no idea how much he offers you. And he would never take it back. And he would never take it back. God gives you more than you could ever imagine in relationship with him. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It really does. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We're going to go into a time now um, of reflection. And so um, for the new individuals in the room, this might look weird. Um, but what this time is, is we, we had this worship with the band, with the lights, Everyone's focusing up this way. Now we're going to kill these lights and we're going to spread out and you're going to get alone time with God. And so if, if you, everyone just stand up, 
Veterans in the room, ETYM people, if you know, if you've been here before, if you could just spread out, lead the way. And then those, this is new, you can just follow. Just find a place anywhere in the room. Honestly, anywhere in the room you want to. And we're not quite done yet. We're not quite done yet, so keep focused. This is the time we're going to have music playing, two songs, and you can just spend time just praying, wrestling through this. But I got one, one thing, one thing I want to say, one thing I want to say. We never, we never addressed why in the world did Ruth do it? Why, why would Ruth go back? I mean, yeah, we, we said, you know, because she understands what it means to have a relationship with God. But the text doesn't really address, like, that's, that's what happened. It doesn't say, you know, Ruth went back because dot, dot, dot. And honestly, if we're being honest, it does seem illogical, in the world's eyes, right? And just thinking, you know, very logically, this is the way the world works. Um, we, would, we would leave. We would leave a family, an opportunity to still have a relationship with other people, parents, a husband. But you know why I think she did it? Because God was working on her heart. And God prompts, God leads. God is the one that was driving her. God was stirring in her heart this affection for him that was undeniable to where she could say, you know what, I, I know, I know it sounds crazy. I know, Naomi, it's taken you three times to tell me to stay. I know you think it's insane. I know, Orpah, you're wanting me to come with you. I, I know, I get it. I know, I know it sounds insane. But I can't. I can't go back and worship that old idol I can't go back and worship that thing that's sitting on that windowsill that my family bows down to. I can't do it. I know, I know it sounds crazy because I could still have a family. I know that I could still have a social life. I know that I could have all these things. I get it. And I know if I go there, then I won't have any of it. I get it. I know. I know it sounds crazy to everyone around me. But I can't help it because there's a stirring in my heart that is directing me to something so much greater, something so much more beautiful Something so much more long-term, so much more eternal and value and worth. I know it sounds crazy to you, but I'm doing it. And it's 100% the Holy Spirit stirring in our hearts, and I think he does the same thing for us. People might think, you're crazy for doing this. You're crazy for standing up to your convictions to the point of losing all your friends in your school. You're crazy for doing such and such, for, for being so committed to your God that you'd have to do this? Like, I know, but... You don't understand what I see, and I see an amazing God that I would lose everything to just have him and what he offers me. That's what Ruth saw, and I pray that that's what you would see, that you would see the depth of faithfulness that we're called to, and that he would stir in your hearts a deep, 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 deep affection for him. And if you don't have that, just say, God, would you you just show me? Would you just stir in my heart an affection for you? Would you just show me what it means to have a relationship with you? Would you remind me, maybe, remind me of what a relationship with you means, how significant that is? Would you show me that to the point of where I am now utterly faithful and would do anything to be in a relationship with you? But it starts with God stirring your affections in your heart, the Holy Spirit working in you, where you would have a deep and profound commitment to him that would be unwavering 
no matter what happens. We can start the music. You can spend some time, and that's exactly what these songs are about. That he is greater than anything, and we would stay committed no matter what. You can spend some time in prayer, meditation, thought, and singing. The words will be on the screen. We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you're not already a part of the ET family, we invite you to join us on Wednesday nights. For more information, visit etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.